So Russ and Pat couldn't be here today, feeling under the weather, some kind of flu or allergy or something. So through together a discussion, want to really encourage today just anything you want to talk about with so far of what we got through the classes. Um, I, I mean, bring up anything you want as long as it's God honoring and it's helpful for discipling each other and understanding the gospel more. Uh, we know that w because we've gathered, Christ is here with us, so we can get some really good stuff out of it today. So thanks for being here. Oh, sorry, I couldn't be here to teach. Um, let's open with prayer. Just since, since it's a little off kilter, let's open with prayer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I got it. <clears throat> Lord, I want to pray for Russ and Pat that they would get the rest that they need. Most importantly, rest in you. Thank you for the richness of your word and the richness of your spirit within us and for what Christ has done. And help that to fuel us this morning and that we would enter this sort of unknown hour in you because we know you and that knowing you would make things grow and make things thrive and uh, that we would learn more about you um, even when we're unprepared. We thank you. And I thank you that people are here this morning to hear about you and to be with you. In your name, amen. Amen. Okay. I got a story if you want to break the ice. Sure, break the ice, Jorge. I got a story, but you know, it's naturally related to the gospel. Sweet. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> it's um, just, yeah. No, I was driving 80. So I have a teacher's assistant. And he walks in there and he's kind of looking for a And he says, So, Diaz, what do you think about God putting this creation in motion and then just letting it go? <laughs> I'm like, Wow, God, that, <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen. So, I said, Well, first you need to understand the character of God. Hmm. He says, If you understand the character of God, then all these other things, you know, kind of go into place. God created man so he could have a relationship. But man, in his infantness, fell and sinned. And yeah. he's just not doing the right thing. Says, but God doesn't want to leave him there. You know, he loved it, loved it over here. He doesn't want to see him perish. Mm -hmm. So he promises a redeemer, a redemption, you know, something that's going to save him. And, uh, he says, now if you understand that, then that tells me that God is not a just created and let it go. Right. Uh, he's right there. He wants to be part of it. Mm -hmm. He says that he wants to be so much part of it that in order to save this man, he sends Christ. And when man realizes that he cannot save himself, mm -hmm. that's creation going already. Says, but if you look at Christ, Christ has order and he brings order and he can't say that. Yeah. 
She says, now, if you look at it that way, now you can see towards the future and say, okay, God is going to finish this and it's going to be in an orderly fashion. Mm -hmm. So now you see from beginning to end, God is not a creator like a cook person. Yeah. And he's like, wow, never thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. Cool. You know, yeah. So it's like another seed. It's kind of like a thermodynamics uh, yeah. articulation of the gospel, you know. What's thermodynamics? We're all, well, there's <laughs> a law that says that you know, everything is just becoming more and more disordered. You know, once everything's set in motion, it's not, everything just keeps getting more and more disordered. But he's saying that would be true, uh, except for the fact that God brings order into the chaos. So Christ is the opposite of that, right? Yeah. And then, you know, that verse in him, uh, all things hold together. That's what that reminds me of. Hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Like, the first thing we'll be looking at is the gospel. It's cool how the gospel... Looking at the power of the gospel that we hear about in Romans 1.16, it's cool watching it kind of play out. How just the, the nuts and bolts of the gospel have this kind of way of getting people to ask these questions and to prompt people. Like when you were telling that story, just the fact that it, I could tell, just the fact that he asked the question was crazy. It's like, so what's the deal with God creating things and he just kind of lets it go? It's like, wow, so you've thought a couple stages into this, okay. And on the other side of it, studying your Bible, it's just amazing how following the gospel and reading your Bible, you have the answers for him. He comes to you with this question that he's probably like, this is a tough one. You're like, no, <laughs> it's really not. And, and what's cool about it is it's not my answer. It's just, it's in a book that's been there for thousands of years and it's amazing. So. And see, that's what we're told in there. Don't say anything of yourself because then you got to back it up and mm -hmm. you have to be able to have the evidence. Yeah. If you relate it to something, yeah. it is not your opinion. It is written somewhere else that you don't have the responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, hey, the Bible says oh, every step of my so it's like, yeah. There you are. There you are. Because uh, there were four other people in the classroom. And they were just... Oh, there are other people there <laughs> listening to this amazing conversation. When, uh, when, uh, we mentioned uh, last week, you know, it's like you're talking to one person, you know, but there's somebody else listening mm -hmm. nearby that you may or may not know of. And it's like, okay, you go to the gospel too. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Just throw the out Yeah. God does whatever he wills. In the spirit of, of uh, what you're talking about, having a defense... Um, I was doing a Bible study last night and one of the questions was just like, what would you say to a non-Christian if they just, just asked, who's Jesus to you? And it was a, it was fun trying to break that down. Let's go with what is the gospel? Um, we know it's a way that we've been breaking it down. That's easy to remember. I know we all have our ways, but it's easy to remember here that we're kind of giving to you guys is God, man, Christ response. Let's look through those. So God what would you explain? What's what is the gospel part when we're looking at the stage of God? Creator. Creator. Okay. So through him, all things came to be. Okay. What else? I think the creator. Oh. Holy. Holy. Yes. Creator and really, really good. Okay. 
things, things around us are starting to look weird. You know, it's like, this place isn't holy. And it was created? I didn't, I wasn't told that. Okay. What else would you say? I find that the emphasis on creator is, it, one of the reasons why it's so important is because it puts us as man in a position where we might uh, have to answer to somebody else. Like, we don't just get to make yeah. it up as we go along. If he really created us, then it even gets into issues of accountability. Like, we're accountable mm -hmm. to what the creator says about us. We can reject it or we can embrace his design. So I think it's really yeah, cool. it's a good point. Which ties into holiness. Like, yeah, and you see that. That bleeds into life everywhere. Just like um, something breaks down, it's like, where's the manual? Who made this? Like, authorship, yeah. Morality. Mm-hmm. And we, it's so funny that we'll do that with like a car <laughs> or like fixing my computer. But when it comes to love and it comes to like the most important things in the world, when it comes to love and friendship, trying to love other people, trying to accept love from other people, we're just like, ah, oh, there's no manual. Don't worry about that. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. All this, all this war and sin and oppression and slavery, uh, humans are doing fine. We'll figure out how to do that stuff. That's no problem. And it's, uh, no, it's God. And it's the fact that he's holy. So, okay. So you've got God, good setting. Well, last week someone brought it too. As the creator, just being different to him is, you know, someone might not see necessarily that they're rebelling against God's law or, or whatever, but just the fact that if you're indifferent towards your creator, hmm. I think most people intuitively understand that that's a slight against Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know. There's some sort of unwritten thing, and that goes into man, so we'll get there now, but definitely some sort of unwritten thing of like, I don't get it. Like, if I have autonomy, why do I feel bad about stuff? I should feel like I should do whatever I want. I, I watch animals, they, do, they seem to do whatever they want. Why can't I do that and be like them? Um, yeah, how does man come in? So you've got this creator who's holy and perfect, and then how does man come in? The story. I, uh, one of the things I, I often talk about try to bridge conversations this way, and it comes with that God-man connection, is uh, this idea of existence. Mm -hmm. And for me, the fascination is that the simple idea that it wasn't my idea to exist. Yeah. And um, even my parents, yes, they had something to do with it, but they didn't know what they were getting right. <laughs> For anybody who parents, we realize that if have children, it's as much about discovering who they are as to, you know, the fact that we had some part in their, their coming into being. But um, just that idea that I, I had no choice about the fact that I do exist, I, but I do exist, and what does that mean? What does that mean to me that I exist? And, and just prompts that, that fundamental question. Yeah. Why am I here? Yeah, that's lead us back to God. But, definitely what's you know. definitely what's going on now for sure. Uh, how does man enter the picture? What kind of happens in 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 relation to the gospel? I think 
in the contrast, if you if you present God as all the things we just said, creator and author, so he is the standard. Like mm-hmm. she said, he's the ultimate how-to, Mary said. Yeah. Uh, and you explain holiness, like his standard is perfection, he's good. Uh, kind of just putting that back on ourselves, do we feel that same way about ourselves? Mm-hmm. And if not, if we sense that there's this gap, there's this disparity, then, but over here is like, this is what we want. Like this is perfect beauty, perfect love, perfect mercy, perfect justice. Then how do we, we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. And then that's, talk about sin. And then it's how do we get there, which that would be next. But. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely identifying, I mean, how many, how many more movies have to be made about the human experience? What is it? How do we understand whether it's Blade Runner I don't know, Aladdin. It doesn't matter how many have to be made where we're trying to find the human experience. But the question, the, the person might be asking like, I understand that, I understand that we're trying to figure out why we're here, but what happened? It seems like, I mean, you studied the Bible, what happened to man? So earlier we were saying he was created, and I, kn- I know that we've learned this since we were kids, but we need to say it, what happened? Because these are the things people need to know. Rebelled. Man rebelled. Fell. So made by God and then rebelled. How so? Well, it's fundamental to the idea of uh, being responsive to a higher authority. Hmm. Um, that that idea we've discussed about um, that intersection of conscience and will. Uh, there right. being a standard by which we live. It's, it's the Cain and Abel story. Mm-hmm. Certainly there's Adam and Eve, but it really became pronounced at uh, right. Cain and Abel, where Cain was challenged to, you know, you can do the right thing, uh, and he just wouldn't. He just wouldn't, and it, it, it mounted to the point where he had such disdain for the one who did, yeah. he had to eliminate him. He couldn't cope. Yeah. And just the the progression of living a life out of the will of God mm-hmm. rather than submitting to the will of God. Yeah. It's uh I heard it described once by a pastor, sin is a as a baby alligator that you feed and you feed and you feed and then one day it turns on you and consumes you. That's definitely what's going on with Cain. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm just not gonna do the right thing and then boom, yeah. murder. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Goodness gracious, what happened? Yeah. Um, sin happened, man. <laughs> you get separated from God. All kinds of things can happen. Um, yeah, like you mentioned with Adam and Eve, uh, we know it's the perfect, this wonderful garden. So many good things. So many blessings. Sounds kind of similar to now. Um, obviously, a lot better than maybe, but a lot of blessings. A lot of blessings. Um, but just one, one thing that wasn't even necessarily bad. It was that they weren't supposed to eat of it was that was wrong. Um, Knowledge of good and evil. But they did it anyway, and they did it for themselves. They did it because they didn't trust God. They refused to, they refused to follow him. They rebelled, like you said, and they did what they wanted for themselves. And then the second it happened, boom, shame, terrible. 
uh, let's make clothes. Let's, let's try to patch it up with human creation, and which is funny because we're like using human creation for the wrong thing now. Um, so we got God, we got man, and then Christ. <laughs> Quite a gap. But how does Christ come into the picture for somebody who's asking you? Well, when man rebelled, mm -hmm. God gave everything man needed for contentment, satisfaction, full, fullness of life, everything. But man reached outside, and so now man was in sin. But immediately, God indicated that he would provide a way out. So right. it's like God didn't just discard this ungrateful, you know, creation of man. And so immediately he's indicated that there was going to be a way out. And so Yeah, immediately. In uh, yeah. Genesis what? Three. Three, yeah. John three sixteen? Genesis three fifteen, right? The the original gospel, Genesis three fifteen. Um, it's a great point because somebody could be coming to you like so you're telling me that God created and then man rebelled and then what? That's how long ago was that? And then Christ comes in? What, what are you talking about? It's like, oh, like, no. Like, so the second that they rebelled, he came down on them with some judgments and then immediately promised that he would fix everything. You're like, oh, <laughs> it's pretty important to know that it came back from all the way from Genesis. Um, and yeah, how do you think you would prompt a response? Uh, well, I mean, he came and he died, he lived a perfect life. It's important because I think that's something people want. They want to be able to live perfectly. Even if they don't quite understand what that is, they have a basic idea of like, I want to be nice to everybody. Like, I want to be giving. I want to be generous. I want to have joy. I want to give joy. They want all those things. And, but he did that, and then he stood up for what he believed in, something that people love to do, even though they're doing it in the completely wrong way today. They're, they're like, yes, to stand, to have conviction. He did that. He's, he's the perfect hero of the story of the world, the story of everything. Um, so describing that to them is such a good thing to do. And then the miraculous part of it, that he died and rose from the dead, conquering sin and death, and I mean, we're looking to try to do that now, every day. I mean, Russ and Pat were sick today. It'd be sweet if they weren't, wouldn't it? He can conquer that. I still love the end of John. Um, just, if all the things that could be written, they would fill the books of the whole world. He just healed so many people. But yeah, describing all those things about Jesus, that's super important too when sharing the gospel. Um, but going from all that, going from that big, ah, all that information. How do you think, this is more practical, how do you think you would kind of ask somebody or kind of ease into seeing if somebody would respond to that? Well, I mean, one question that always cuts to the chase is when you stand before God <coughs> and give an account of your life up, how are you going to do? Are you going to be okay? Hmm. And if you're not, if you have fear about that, that fear can be alleviated. Now it's just you know, you, God is making this offer to you now. And, you know, that, yeah, you know, I like that. I like how it cuts to the chase too. 
It's like, you know, I'm going to skip over all this stuff, whether you believe this or not. Listen, if you're before God, what, what's going to happen to you? What do you think is going to happen to you with what you've done and who you are? What do you think? I mean, you know yourself. What's going to happen? Um, and for you, I guess, going back and forth, what happens if they're like, I think I'll be okay. I've lived a pretty good life. You know, I think Jesus died for the good. I've been pretty good. <laughs> what would you say? What would, I, what would I say? Yeah. Oh. Or anybody else. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I guess. Um, Jesus is good. Say, I'm pretty good. You know, I would say, well, I mean, I, I think one example where, you know, you guys said pretty much that. And, right. And so you, so you, you know, you look pretty good like it, you know. Uh, yeah, the, the rich young ruler. Yeah. Have, yeah. Have, have you ever been selfish? Have you ever put yourself in front of others? Have you ever, hmm. you know, hated someone wish they were dead or, you know, or, you know. Have you ever told think, a lie? Think back. Yeah. Uh, just think back. If maybe you don't think you're sinning against God, but think about how most people think in terms of how they relate to others and, you know, want to be kind and think of themselves as kind. And, and mm-hmm. like, have, you know, think back through your life. Have, have you been kind every to everyone in every way? I mean, yeah. you think about it there, you know, I, I don't know, just it, it was sort of to explore sort of break through this idea that, hey, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's like, well, think of yourself in terms of you know, how you relate to others, things like that. It's just uh, with the, you know, with this particular person, it felt like they weren't really con- concerned with, they didn't see themselves as being sin, or, you know, as sin as being that big a deal. Right, sin not a big deal. God, you know, so I was sort of Exploring with them, okay, then how do you relate to, to man? And then I, I, I think I said it, but I, you know, I was thinking, you know, that Jesus broke down the law and you love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart mind, soul, strength, and then yeah. you love your neighbor as yourself. So these are the two aspects of, of obedience, you know, mm-hmm. to God's law. And so, yeah. And, yeah, I guess you have to use your own discretion. Um, I mean, hopefully you lean on the Lord <laughs> in these times. But I know, um, I know I've, through me, I've always been really blunt about the truth, like the full truth of the whole thing. But that might be because the specific people I was witnessing to, they kind of had like a Catholic background, they knew some stuff. But I know for me, so there's the part of it that's, you're obviously disqualified. I mean, if you've done a single thing wrong, we're talking about holy. We have a lot of things in this world where, like, a perfect microchip, just a little bit of dust gets in, <laughs> just screws the whole thing up. Um, but then on top of that, uh, me and my girlfriend were studying last night, just having a radical abandonment of all of your sin, right? So it's like, you know about your sin, and you know that... Um, you're disqualified, but what is your full response going to be? It's going to be confession of that sin. It's going to be contrition of that sin, feeling deep remorse for that sin. But then fully, it's going to be conversion. It's going to be like, 
I think I'm going to heaven. Are you sure? Because God said to the rich young ruler, sell everything you have. God, God walked up to the disciples and said, follow me. And they dropped everything. Even Peter, after he's like, depart from me. I am a sinful man. He's like, follow me. I don't care. Leave that behind. Leave, your, leave even your shame. Leave it behind. We're going. We're going to go make fishers of men. His wife, am I wrong? Hmm. Did he leave his wife, or am I? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I know there's this uh, fancy show going around called The Chosen, but <laughs> not sure yet. Well, he had a mother-in-law, but as That's true as to where what his relationship with his wife right. is, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, we're not told that. Yeah. We just know that James and John left their dad, yeah. left him to fish for himself. I have a feeling God may have blessed his fishing, but maybe he didn't. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> he had tough fishing, but every day he remembered, my sons have followed Jesus. Yeah. What, Orwell? But, you know, with my mom, I just went and told her because the only thing I could tell her was my mother was very hard of heart. And I just said, you know, she was getting up there in age and not feeling well. And I just said, you know, Mom, I said, what are you going to do with me when you have to meet God? She goes, well, I don't care. He's going to do with me whatever he wants to do. And I was like, well, I was like, so if he shows you everything from your life, everything you've done, and he puts it you. I said, how are you going to feel? What are you going to think? I said, and she said, well, I don't know. Hmm. I was like, well, I said, aren't you in the least bit sorry for any of the things you've ever done? And she paused for a minute, and I said, well, I said, he's going to bring up to you your spouse. I said that you treated your spouse so poorly. You were so mean and hateful hmm. to your dad. I said, what are you going to say to him about that? She goes, well, I, I, I guess I would tell him I'm sorry. I said, right. So when you tell God you're sorry, I said, how are you going to expect him to forgive you if you haven't forgiven Dad or anybody else for anything that they've ever done to you? Right. I said, how are you going to ask him for forgiveness? She goes, well, I guess. I never thought about it that way. And then I said, well, I said, maybe that's something you need to think about. I said, because we're all going to have to answer to God for everything we have ever done. And I said, and if you want salvation, the first thing you have to do is confess yeah. everything you've ever done. Yeah. Know who you really are and who he really is and what you really need. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then again, she said, well, why would he forgive me? So because he said that he would. Mm -hmm. I said that God keeps all his promises, Mom. Yeah. And then, again. And they don't believe in sin and they don't believe God loves them. Right. Again, it's great to, it's super, I mean, it's extremely crucial. I think it's crucial to start with it, to just talk about sin, because that's something they relate to immediately. And then if they, know, if they know about the Bible and they know about the disciples and they know about the crowds that followed him and they know about the Pharisees, be like, now that you've thought about your sin, which one are you? Are you, are you following Christ every day? You say that you're good, you're going to go to heaven. Are you following Christ? Or are you just a crowd who's walking and being like, he does some cool stuff sometimes, but I'm just here for the show. Or are you a Pharisee who thinks that you are your own God and you just completely are against him? Because you're only, you got to be one. So which one is it? <laughs> like, or you're just not there. So which one is it? And it's like Christians don't look like people who 
punch in and punch out and nothing in their life ever changes. That's not what Christians look like. That's how they've never looked. Disciples of Christ are always growing and changing and going through all kinds of difficult things. But yeah, thanks guys. That was, that was good. Um, and I want to give David the stage here in a sec. The stage. But also, we had a week where we looked through seeing the gospel through the whole Bible. I just want to encourage you to keep practicing this. Um, I know you probably already do, but just encourage you to keep doing it more and more. Um, whatever you're reading in the Bible, finding the gospel in it. Um, it's amazing how many, ugh, it's so powerful. Um, when you're talking to people, I don't know, I feel like when I was younger, it felt like this just brick wall that I couldn't get through. But I've realized that I'm wrong, and there's all these little holes where if you've been studying the truth, it could just seep in. You can start to, like, bring up conversation and bring it to Christ. Um, and that's because the whole Bible, um, what's the quote? Not everything is, everything's inspired, but not everything's inspirational. Is that it? Equally inspiring. <laughs> Equally I'm inspiring. I use that today in the sermons. Well, go ahead, go ahead. For, uh, foreshadowing. Um, which is in the Bible a lot. And uh, I'm sorry. But no, we see it in creation. We see it in the flood. We see it in Egypt when he delivers them from Pharaoh. We see it in the wilderness, how he does not abandon them, even though they sin again and again and again. We also see his judgment in the wilderness, which is extremely important to the gospel. Through the judges and the kings, goodness gracious, the amount of bad things they do. But every time somebody follows him, oh, everything goes well. When a judge is alive, things thrive. When a king breaks down the high places, breaks down the Asherah, things are nice. But then, whenever they're bad again, okay, I'll give, I'll give you over. There's no in-between here. I'm not going to allow you to be lukewarm. It's just going to be bad or it's going to be good. And you, you, need to, you need to figure it out by uh, coming to me. And the exile, he humbles them. Um, the gospel, of course, the epistles, he builds us up. And then Revelation, he comes back and he takes, he takes his world back from sin. So the gospel's all throughout, and the more and more you read it, the more and more you can share. Um, quick story, and then I'll be done. I was getting my haircut yesterday, and this woman was talking about, yeah, I've done a lot of, uh, I've, I've, there's a while there where I felt like I was just giving haircuts to priests all the time. Catholic priests is really strange. It's like, yeah, why is that? It's like, I don't know, people just act like, ooh so holy or Catholic priest. She's like, then one day he said, uh, he said, bless you, my child. And I said, man, I'm old enough to be your mother. <laughs> everybody in the barbershop is like, I can't say that to a priest. And I just started laughing and I was like, yes, you can. You can say that to a priest. There's a, like, are you familiar with Timothy in the Bible? She's like, yeah, a little bit. I was like, okay, well, Paul wrote to Timothy. He's telling him how to be a pastor. And he's like, you need to treat these women and these men like your brothers and sisters, but the older you should probably treat them like your fathers and your mothers with that kind of love. Don't talk down to them. They've been here longer than you. They're wiser than you. Look up to them. And she's like, yeah, that's cool. I was like, yeah, the Bible's like that. It's got a lot of stuff in it that's actually really helpful. I mean, Christ and everything. She's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, if you can, the more you study, there's so many avenues. So just want to encourage you with that. Take it away, David. So again, we're, we're trying to uh, work through this uh, impromptu, impromptu lesson here. So continue on uh, reviewing what we uh, talked about throughout this, throughout this class so far. 
Um, one of the next things we came to was God's sovereignty and uh, our responsibility in evangelism. So if God is sovereign, he's the one that saves, then what responsibility do I have? He's going to save who he saves, right? Um, and we talked about how, no, that's not quite how it works. He enlists us as his messengers to be able to participate in the work. And that is a joy and that's an act of worship to be able to bring good news to lost people. But at the end of the day, we need to realize we're not going to be the one that uh, saves them. We're not the ones closing the deal, as it were. The Holy Spirit has to close the deal. So evangelism must be, uh, must be a, a, something that we do in complete dependence and reliance on his power and how the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And then the next week, Chris talked about how the church, how the whole church participates and it, in this uh, act of evangelism. So it's not just, all right, I'm commissioning you individual disciples. You go out and you uh, individually are going to build this kingdom. It's how he's designed the church to reflect the glory of God and to put the gospel on display to this watching world. And Chris spent some time talking about in the worship service itself, um, the church participates to sing, uh, pray the gospel, sing the gospel, uh, teach and hear the gospel, um, see the gospel. That would, so that's through the ordinances. Uh, when we uh, participate in the Lord's Supper, which we will today, that's everybody partaking together to proclaim the Lord's death and all of that, what that means. We're proclaiming it to each other in taking the bread and taking the cup. So the bread, the broken body of Christ that we have a share in by faith and the, the juice or the wine representing Christ's blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. So we're declaring to each other and to anyone who happens to be here, I am forgiven because of Christ. I have eternal life and I have eternal hope because of Christ. Um, so that was how the whole church participates. Another big way is that in the church coming together from all these different walks of life, and we talked about this in the sermon a couple weeks ago, um, he brings together a people from every, all different backgrounds, from different uh, types of, of rebellion and different ways that that has looked in their life, and we all come together and we worship Jesus Christ, which tells the world, like, oh, he's the answer to every problem. He's the answer to all of our, our differences, all of our distinctions. In Christ, we can all be one because he has made a way possible for all of us to have access to God. And if all of us have access to God, what, when it brings us closer to God, it brings us closer to each other. And so through our fellowship, uh, they see us loving each other. They see us caring for each other. They see us serving each other. And each one of those can be something that points them to an aspect of who Christ is. And an aspect of the gospel. So that was how the whole church participates. But since we have 20 minutes, I want to make sure we spend some time in prayer for specific people that uh, that we pray for the lost among us who have been on our minds. And so I hope to dedicate at least 10 minutes to that. So real quickly, um, talking about the gospel in conversation, and Chris has already mentioned some stories. Uh, but I thought I, would, I wanted to bring up two things uh, that happened, uh, two experiences that happened just yesterday that were teaching moments 
um, for how to uh, enter into a gospel conversation. One of them would be like uh, something where somebody who's an unbeliever brings a question to you. The other is me watching a believer do this really well. So two things that happened yesterday. So yesterday uh, was a long day. I was involved in a, a memorial service and there was a reception here. And while I was here at the reception, I happened to be sitting in the office when the phone rang and I found out that Helen, our sister, had broken her hip. And so she was in the emergency room and in the hospital. Uh, so all this is going on yesterday. Uh, but in, in the midst of this, there's opportunities abounding for the gospel. One, just preaching the gospel at the memorial service. But while I was at the reception, I started to have a conversation with uh, a girl who was a close friend. Uh, she was in college. And she just asked me the question, like, what made you want to be a pastor? And I was able to kind of share with her about my passion, my love for Jesus and how that drove me uh, into pastor. I wanted to help people in the ultimate sense. And the ultimate sense is not through social programs or things like that. The ultimate sense is through showing people uh, that Christ is the only way. Um, and I said, do you have a church family? And she said, um, she had she phrases. She said, "No, I don't go to church. Um, I don't think that that's necessary. I got tired." Uh, but she considers herself a, a Christian. I think maybe she would have said a Catholic, but she she was distinguishing between Catholic and Christian. And she said, "But I don't go to church anymore because I got tired of the church telling me that God hates gay people." Now she's not gay. She she didn't seem to be. She hasn't. She has a child. Um, but this is an issue that is like so intensely uh, divisive right now. And, and the church is doing such a big disservice to us, the church at large, people who are make up the church by saying, yes, and, you know, God, God accepts all people, which he does. He accepts all sinners into his grace. But he does so without need, a need for repentance is what a lot of people have been telling uh, people these days. So there are churches today who would say like, yes, he welcomes everyone regardless of how you want to live your life. Uh, now we didn't, this is a funeral reception. So this was not the time to get in, into a debate uh, over homosexuality. But she said, I got tired of people, of the churches telling me that God hates gay people. That is an opportunity to say, that's not exactly <laughs> what's going on here. God actually loves Everyone, And so I brought it just in that short, tiny moment we had. I brought it to the fact of God's image. I was like, actually, God created everyone in his own image. Uh, and there's a whole lot to that that we could get into. But that could have led into a conversation, probably in a different scenario, where you say, yeah, and part of being created in God's image means we are created to reflect who God is. And here's who God is. And let me tell you about his holiness and her standard. And he created this beautiful thing called marriage. But marriage is going to be a reflection of who he is. And here's what marriage looks like. And you could go to Ephesians 5 and say how marriage is designed to show the relationship between Christ and the church. And so anything outside of that is actually outside of God's will. So it's not that he hates gay people. He just has a design for his glory. And he's, he's reflected that design through what we call marriage. Here's what marriage is. That was one example. Well, the other example, let me give you a more positive one. So I am able to run over after the, the reception to the hospital. 
and there's Helen. And I'm actually standing outside the room and listening to Helen retell her story of how it happened to a nurse before I go in there. Um, and then I come in and Helen proceeds to tell me the story, even though I kind of heard it a little bit. Uh, she didn't know that. Um, and so now she's, she's probably starting to get really tired of having to tell everyone the story of how she fell, uh, which was a really powerful story about how she was uh, there on the floor and just crying out to God and God gave her wisdom and an idea where she was able to reach something and get her emergency contact button. It was really cool. And she was just really singing the praises of God. So then um, the nurse practitioner walks into the hospital room and um, the nurse practitioner is going to be involved, involved in her surgery. And she's like, yeah, x-rays came back. You are going to have to have surgery, which could be right now. So please, please be praying for Helen. Um, but here's an example of how out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, this is what evangelism should look like. And this is when I watched Helen do this, I just I was almost rebuked like, why don't you speak so naturally like this? So here's what Helen does. The nurse practitioner, she doesn't know anything about her. She's like, well, can you tell me the story? Can you just tell me a brief? She's like, oh, I've been telling the story all day long. And she says, well, you know, there I was uh, on the floor and I and I just I just started praying to God because I'm a really strong Christian and I love God and I know that he answers prayer. And she's saying this without any pretension or anything. It's just like, this is what I do when I get in a hard time because I know God will answer the prayer. And uh, now the cool thing was, as she started to say that, the nurse practitioner said, oh, I'm a believer too. Like that, that's what I would do. And she's like, that's so awesome. So tell me what God did. Um, but if that wasn't a believer, here they are, Helen just so matter-of-factly saying, when I'm in trouble, I go to the only one who's going to help me. And in this case, here's how he helped me. And, you know, if, if nothing else, that person would have been like, whoa, this person, like, knows the Creator. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe I should think a little bit harder about that. So, two examples from yesterday. Uh, how, how you could enter into gospel conversations. But I thought we have listed on here common questions at the end. Uh, is there anything like recently that, you, that anyone here has experienced? I know Jorge shared his story um, about a person saying, God just, you know, I believe God just sets everything in motion and lets it go. And Jorge was able to, to work that into a gospel conversation. Any questions recently that you've heard of? Um, that could have been an opportunity to share the gospel or challenging questions. Not recently, but a long time ago, I used to work with this gay gal. She got transferred, but she said um, she wouldn't go to church because as soon as she crossed the threshold, the place would burst into flames. And I said, well, that's not true. I said, Jesus loves you and I love you. And she come to church and she says, nah, nah. I said, no, really. I said, I says, we both love you very much. And she says, okay, whatever, and walked away. <laughs> so I think she's kind of freaked out. But yeah. I said, that is such a lie. I says, I love you dearly. Yeah. But, you know. That's awesome. I've heard that one a lot. And it's not a lie either. I do love her. She's just a doll. Yeah. She's kind of nutty, but she's a doll. Mm -hmm. so. I used to know somebody who, would, who said, I've had, few, uh, I've had a few too many drinks to be welcome in church. It's like... Whoa, 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 time out. Let me tell you, Jesus came, and that's, that's a passage in Scripture. Jesus came uh, not for the, the well, but for the sick. He came for sinners. Uh, so he actually came for 
people like that who need help. Um, what else? Any other questions? Yeah, Mike. Well, fairly recently at, at work, there was a guy that he would, a couple times he would start going off about how he, uh, he stopped going to church when he was a kid because the worst people he ever knew were, were people in church. That's where he found the worst people. Yeah. So, the worst I people I didn't, I didn't get are into the conversation that time. I ended up the first couple times, and I was thinking about, okay, if this comes up again, how should I approach it? I mean, because on the one hand, what he's saying is like total hyperbole and stuff like it. It's like, really? That's the worst people in the world or in yeah. church? And the other thing, you know, I other things, you know, they go, church is full of hypocrites and the other, well, yes, it is. And I'm a hypocrite and this is. Yeah, and, um, yeah church is full of hypocrites. Yeah, and so I, uh, it did come up again and um, I, I was able to sort of get in sideways on the conversation and I said, you know, Jesus, Jesus had, his harshest words were for the hypocrites in front, those who put on airs of being, you know, righteous and um, their hearts weren't worked that way and, um, and sort of worked into that, you know, just the human, um, that what Jesus, you know, the response Jesus was looking for, the response of the heart was to humble ourselves before him. And so I was able to sort of get in, you know, not a full-blown gospel, but just the idea that Christianity, and you know, I think I basically said, you know, Christianity isn't what the kind of heirs or the kind of things, you know, there's a lot of people out there that will claim to be a Christian, but put on these heirs, and sometimes I've done that myself, you know, a lot of times, and, uh, but what Jesus is current concerned about is the heart, and we all have to, um, stand before God, and he, he will be concerned, you know, and I, even Jesus said, you know, many will come before me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, these are all the things I did for you, and he'll say, depart, you know, and was able to sort of, so anyway, it was like, uh, one of those things that, it's like, I'm not sure if I handled, if I'm not sure if I handled it exactly right, or if, uh, um, for him, you know, if, yeah. it really, you know, broke through with him, but it was sort of, um, it was interesting because it's one of those things I sort of had a chance to think about it and sort of hoping that it would come back. And so, I don't know. It was like that was an opportunity to work in, to in the end. But. I guess I kind of observed two approaches there. One, if somebody says, well, the church is full of hypocrites, uh, you know, there's the, the approach that would say, first of all, there's no need to get defensive. The, the approach that would say, uh, well, in some sense, that's true because we recognize our need to, we're not like Christ and, and, and Christ came to, to change us and transform. So when you walk into a church, you're going to find people who are at various stages 
of repentance. But then what you said was, but Jesus' harshest words were for those who were faking it. So if, the, if you meet somebody in the church that's like that, that shouldn't be your reason for not going. You should say, oh, well, what did Jesus have to say about that? And, and what do I, you know, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of, of repentance. What's the, there's like a, a meme on Facebook where, about going to the gym and it would be like somebody saying, like, saying I don't go to the church because it's full of hypocrites is like, I don't go to the gym because it's full of people who are out of shape. Or like, <laughs> like, no, you go to the church for healing. And that's why you find people there like that, because there's a lot of messed up people who need healing yeah. in the church. It's not a reason to stay away from the church. Yeah. And then the other one I hear kind of like that is more damage of wars have been inflicted in the name of religion than any other uh, that one is just patently untrue <laughs> um, and th this is more apologetics but to say you know, if, if you were to say all wars were you know the majority of wars have been committed in the name of Christianity uh, I guess first of all somebody might take you to Hitler who was in no way shape or form uh, he may have co-opted religion for his evil purposes um, but atheist countries where atheism has been like the, the, uh, the state religion, um, like the Soviet Union and China, far million, many more millions of people have died through genocide um, at the hands of leaders in those countries. So that is not what we want. If you take away God out of society, it would be a terrifying place. Hospitals would not exist. Education would not exist. No charities. Uh, what's that? No charities. No charities. And that's to say nothing of the local church and the presence of the local church. If you were to pull all the churches out today, it would be a terrifying, this would be a terrifying place. That's more or less what's going to happen on the rapture, if you don't realize it, when the yeah. church is gone. Yeah, I mean, if you believe that that way, I believe Christ will return once and for all, and He'll reign with us for uh, for a long time. But if you if you hold to the fact that He's going to pull the church out of this world, uh, then that would be a terrifying. But, terrifying uh, well, another thing is uh, a lot of these people, like they say, hate homosexuals and all that. The thing is to get them to differentiate between the person and the fract. Practice, yeah, because uh, a lot of them that are saying that group the practice and the person all in one lump, right? Where you can say, yes, God loves the person, but He hates the practice, whatever your sin is. Yeah, yeah. God doesn't want to, or I like to say, God loves us so much that He doesn't want. He's not going to leave us in our sins. Yeah. Um, and so we don't say because God loves us, we can do whatever we want. We say because God loves us, uh, He wants us something better for us. Mm -hmm.